You're listening to Two Beers Until Phrenesis, a podcast where we discuss the ideas of philosophy, ethics, religion, history, and culture. Alongside regular guests and friends, we discuss some of life's big questions over a few beers. Enjoy. Oh, I've gone all shy. <laughs> right. Uh, so we're going to talk about Sufism today. We're going to talk about mysticism in general as well and what the hell any of this means so um joe you've done some essays on sufism in the past yeah i've done a bit on it yeah yeah we did a, a module in uni for islam and i decided to focus on sufism just sounded quite interesting to me so i focused mine around that my question i got it here in front of me actually my question was to what extent is it correct to say that sufism is unorthodox so to the listener that straight away says that it's sort of different to the rest of Islam, which I think mysticism as a general point is different to perhaps the core religions that they're based off. Yeah. So I think that'd be an interesting point to bring up. So yeah, it's basically a mystical and experiential part of Islam that's very basically like a specific relationship with God. It's a way to purify the heart, focus entirely on God finding some sort of inner path. We'll unpack like a lot of these terms and like exactly what mysticism is in regards to other religions as well. It's basically like an alternative route to salvation. They believe that it can be taught. They believe that, uh, I mean, saying it's private is probably wrong because it's also like a social thing. Yeah, there, there tends to be like social ritualistic aspects to it as well. Yeah. Um, I think one of the, the highlights that it differs from, say like Sunni and Shia Muslims is that, a Sufi would try and access or achieve a relationship with God um, during their lifetime so they can feel like they can have a conversation with God throughout their life and that God's always watching them. Whereas the rest of Islam tends to focus on the eschatological aspects, say that you live your life in a good way and then you meet God afterwards. But Sufis tend to take the approach that they can do it in their lifetime. Yeah, so what makes it mystical is that it focuses on, like you're saying, not this eschatological or ethical I mean, not that they're, they're not ethical, but the, the ethics is not the only way in which God is revealed. God can be revealed quite li- much more literally. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think this is what people want to say when they use words like spiritual in this mm-hmm. kind of context. Um, and I have this thing about using the word spiritual or mystical, because often when we use the word, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. It's kind of vague. And... It's quite obvious you were taught by Dave Webster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... It's like, it's really woolly. It is, no, it is, yeah. It sounds really cool and interesting. It doesn't really give us anything in a conversation. There's nothing to go on. An existential might be a more accurate word for most people's uses when they're talking about being mystical or being spiritual. Uh, but yeah, here, specifically, we mean a direct, imminent experience with the divine. Because a lot of religions experience god or claim to experience god through numinosity or other kinds of religious experience through the way they treat one another through ethics or yeah so numinosity is like when you stand on a mountain and you think oh isn't this lovely and i feel really small they still get that feeling of feeling small or feeling connected or feeling close to god but it's in a much more intense and direct way i think is the best way to characterize what Sufism actually is. So the causality here is less indirect. 
I saw an um, interview with a guy and he was talking about how there was like 99 names for God uh, was sort of what he was talking about. And he was saying that all of these names are like not true names because like the, the word God is sort of representing something which like binds everything together but could not have a name. Everything comes from one point and it's almost like invoking like the Big Bang. And then he's saying that as everything comes from that one moment, it means that the garden that he was looking at, the people he was talking to were also God. So there wasn't like a, you know, like a split pantheon where it's like us down here and then God upstairs or like a, a separation. So like pantheism, like less of a hierarchy. Well, not even that, just like, and I'm going to use the word spiritual just to annoy you, that God is like this spiritual force that we're all a part of. <laughs> so, like you, so like your laptop that you're using now is like also part of God and like a tree is part of God. God is like a, a sort of force that everything is made up of. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what... I got from that guy. I don't know if that that's just his interpretation or if that's like typical of Sufism. Is it? No, yeah, that, that is good. Yeah, definitely. Like they seem to say God is like a central point. If we're to like draw it as a diagram, so God is a central point, and then all of life is sort of revolving around it. If you like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That makes a lot of sense the way he was saying about it. Whereas, like, I guess in Islam, it's like you are very much separated from like the realm of God and like heaven that you could get into if you do the right things. Mm. Have you guys read or heard of William James? No, go on. Please continue. Okay, so William James is probably one of the most important writers when it comes to religious experience. And since Sufism and other forms of mysticism we're going to talk about are based more heavily in uh, a more direct kind of religious experience, I think he's probably the only philosopher I'm going to kind of mention. And I think he's the most important to mention uh, in a lot of ways. He's, he's this American psychologist and he did some really great work in kind of standardizing and conceptualizing our understanding of religious experience, kind of giving them different categories. And I think this plays into the idea of what religion is. And he basically said it was an attitude that cultivated specific experiences. He, he even thought that essentially humanists could be thought of as religious because they were trying to cultivate experiences and that religion was less about ordered structure and dogmas uh but it was about well a feeling really is that like a shared experience so like if there's a load of humanists together and they're all sharing that same experience together that's sort of religious is that what he was trying to say or yeah well that certainly can be a way it can be personal as well though it can be shared and personal he would say that the, these sorts of feelings are at the center of a religion the experience and from that secondary to that is all the the rules and the uh or the ecclesiastic hierarchies and the your popes and your bishops and things like that i think he thinks they go hand in hand but he thinks that irreligion so being not being religious is about denying cosmic and moral questions so he would say that a humanist is religious but somebody who doesn't take these questions seriously is somebody who's non-religious um which is kind of a iffy definition but I, you know, I'm quite drawn towards that. I don't really mind that. I think I have a different conception of religion. But um, yeah, I think really what this gets at is that mysticism, in a way then, is a more intense and lived manifestation of religion itself. He's almost critical of it. He always says it's the, the unimportance of self, that you don't take yourself seriously because you're just a conduit to worship something higher. But he thinks the source of religion is ultimately like a private affair, a relationship with God, a feeling, 
Yeah. That's that's weird. Like that the I can't remember his name, it was like Llewellyn something. It was the soothest guy. And he he described that his relationship with God as like a love affair as well. And it was like a personal sort of one on one experience. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what that means, but like, <laughs> that was. I just thought that was quite interesting way of phrasing it. It was like it wasn't about him sharing it with other people. It was about him having that experience. Yeah, I think you you either feel it or you don't. And I think Sufis think that they can not only feel it but cultivate the feeling of it. They can keep having those experiences over and over again and pass on teachings of how to gain these experiences. How do they do that? What are some ways they do that? Because I've seen a few things about like poetry and like art and like meditation, things like that. But I don't know if there was any particular things that are like unique to Sufism. There's something that's quite famous among Sufis. Um, have you guys heard of the whirling dervishes? Like they're mostly in Turkey. Yeah, I have. I have. Please go on. So that is pretty much a Sufi ritual, if you like. So like the whole spinning round thing links to the point that I said earlier about God being a central point. So that's quite symbolistic of spinning around the center point and that center point being god and being connected with that via like a ritualistic dance and i think that is what separates sufism from the rest of islam so much is there are like physical rituals that are like the dance and their song and like you said the poetry as well yeah which you don't tend to get in like strict religious environments yeah i just want to say you can according to a lot of people be sunni or shiite and also be a sufi mm-hmm. especially historically there's a lot of kind of debate uh as to how islamic uh are. It, it really depends who you ask i think yeah. if you ask an orthodox sunni muslim they're going to say that sufism is like not a real part of islam yeah and you get similar debates across all religions i mean don't be wrong i'm, I'm being very broad there like some people obviously going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that, but. the crux of that is because it's kind of it's so different to classically what we think of religion in the modern day depending on your religion you, you might not even think that god is imminent that he is interventionist even you might be a deist you might think that god is just a designer that he just set the ball rolling big bang whatever you whatever your biscuit is you know whatever but then like I don't know why I said biscuit. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was waiting for you to start. I'd be like, I was fucking stealing that phrase. <laughs> hey, look, whatever yeah. you... It's, can you say it like an Irish-Italian accent? Hey, whatever your biscuit is, man, it's fine. <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> fucking mon. With a bit of Jamaican at the end. Well, yeah, well, yeah, So what was it? It was like, um, sorry, Big Bang. I, 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 stopped, I stopped listening after I heard the phrase, whatever your biscuit is. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brain just started saying biscuit. Yeah, my point is, there are loads of different biscuits. You can have, uh, you know, you can believe that miracles are possible. You can believe that God designed everything. Um, but generally, uh, miracles are quite rare. I mean, especially if you take them in the in the, the traditional sense, a miracle being the suspension of the laws of nature. Uh, not many religious people in more orthodox circles actually believe that this is a common occurrence or even possible in the modern day. A lot of people don't think at least that miracles are an important part of their faith. So most theologians would likely scoff at the question, do you believe in God? It's, it's a little bit like asking what is real or what is good. You know, what to a philosopher, you say, what is good? And then you're like, oh, you've just opened a, a massive can of worms here. Yeah, yeah. So if God isn't something that can be communicated in really simple terms like that, if it isn't that shallow, something that walks around, um, then scripture and text represents 
a much better way of understanding divinity. And that's why scripture and text is so important to most religious people, because God isn't this, oh, what is God? Oh, it's this, it's this thing. It walks, it does X and Y. It walks around, it floats in the sky. It's nothing like that. It's it, a much more nuanced understanding. So if you don't think you can experience God, then you're going to obviously, go, the only kind of revelation you've got then is holy books and texts. I think that works quite specifically with Islam as well. They, they tend to suggest yeah. that um, following the teachings of the Quran and the Hadith are pretty much the only way you can access God and, and live life as a true Muslim, so to say. Um, but I guess Sufism takes away from that. Yes. And adds more to it and says you can access God through like ritualistic prayer and things like that, which aren't part of the Quran. So it, it seems it seems to be unorthodox to other Muslims. That's, that's quite interesting how it's like, from what you're saying, Islam is like God in the future, whereas like Sufism is about like finding God in the present. It's God in the present in the sense of you live a life that God God is revealed through actions. You get the same in Christianity. It's almost like in in you're not trying to find a means to an end in Sufism. It's like you're living your life alongside God rather than living your life in a certain way to then meet God. It's worth saying that historically, at least, it's been a big part of Islam since the Umayyad Caliphate been going for absolutely ages but yeah it's by no means unique in the world of religiosity that there are always these mystical offshoots in pretty much every religion people claiming they can experience god so it's, it's almost as old as um as islam itself and so some would argue it's kind of um if they, they would say it is islam so yeah there's there's some evidence of like very early islam in sort of muhammad's lifetime that some of the practices that he was taking part in were quite similar to that of what a Sufi would practice nowadays, which again would I've got to be very careful saying stuff like that because to um an Orthodox Muslim, anything that Muhammad does is what they follow. Mm. Um but there is some evidence to suggest that he engaged in like ritualistic prayer and things like that, which is something that a Sufi would follow. So obviously this is before Islam was, you know, uh, properly a religion. Mm. And of course not just him but other minor prophets as well that that came beforehand, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Obviously, they have the whole um, the Bible and the Torah before them. That those those Abrahamic traditions feed in, and the only difference being um, Muhammad is the last prophet, and all everything gets wiped. Yeah, yes, they're all in a sense. This is speaking very very basically, but they all in a sense are revisions of each other. So yeah, it stands the reason that okay, well, uh, holy people in the past had direct experiences with God and that that was a good thing. So it can be something that people in this lifetime can emulate. Well, that's, that's the way you'd expect things to be, though, isn't it? It's like the experience first, then the, the scripture and the sort of trappings coming later on. So that, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. Rather than someone going like, oh, cool, we're going to create all these rules, and then afterwards, after you follow these rules, people go, oh, I'm having a religious experience. So it makes sense that it's, like, it's logical that it's like experience first. Yeah. Yeah, now you frame it that way, it does sound odd to, to suggest that you'd read a religious text and then have religious experiences afterwards. Like, you have to abide to the Bible or whatever to then get mm. a religious experience afterwards. Like, that seems kind of counterintuitive. It's strange. It's probably like how, you know, just how, like, structures build up over time, isn't it? It's like, you, you have an experience and then that gets passed on and then that information gets coded and then, like, sort of enhanced and then it becomes more like a piece of scripture later on. Was I imagine there was just like 
uh, a feeling of like I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop your boy Mihai. There's there probably like a feeling of flow, and then people found that for different means, and then they were like, oh well, this is sort of religious. If we do these things, we we experience this. So then they created rules to sort of maximize the state of that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, like a how-to guide afterwards. Yeah, legit. That's probably how it is, isn't it? Yeah. How how to how to be religious. <laughs> yeah. How to experience God. I, I yeah, I actually had it written in my couple of notes about flow states. Right, boy, your about. boy. Once you know the way, you see it broadly in all things. You boy Mihai popping out the pages. Yeah. Very basically, this idea that I, I think a mystical trance is essentially a flow state. Um, flow states are common everywhere. Go and listen to our podcast on flow if you can be bothered. Uh, no, don't celebrate that. Just go and just go and do it right now. Just now. Just <laughs> stop this and one. Pause this one. Stop yeah. this yeah. one. I mean, like, you know, report, flag, spam this one. Just go listen to that one and then come back. I, I think, yeah, it's that, it's that kind of meeting of, of God when you get in a, that flow state. And um, I think William James actually said that it was probably the subconscious. Obviously, he was a psychologist. So he's going to have this like Freud, and that's why it feels so other and external. I mean, th- I mean this does, this doesn't have to negate um, the reality of God if you if you're listening and you're religious. The external kind of objective trappings of oh, well, what is X, and let's let's explain everything. Explaining something doesn't necessarily mean religion is not about what exists. It's about how you feel it's like consciousness isn't it it's like everyone knows what consciousness is but trying to explain it is fucking impossible or trying to explain where it comes from is impossible <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> yeah legit i imagine you spent like five years trying to do that so I, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll leave that's that's your wheelhouse i'll just uh, i'll back away talk about uh dr penrose and <laughs> i talked about it in the last podcast we recorded i did consciousness for my dissertation and now i hate it I hate consciousness. <laughs> I <let> me... <laughs> yeah, the concept of it annoys me. We've all, we've all reached that point. We're like, oh, consciousness, man. <laughs> fucking overrated, honestly. That, that's possibly an explanation of kind of what's happening in the brain at that point. That's why when you're having a mystical trance, it interrupts you. It, why it feels other and alien and external. There was a great quote from Alan Watts where he says, like, I, I'm going to fucking butcher it, but it's like, when you are silent, it speaks. And it's just like the, that idea of like when you're not actually thinking, you're you're actually, and it could be the subconscious, it could be like the self, it could be just being present, it could be an access to God, whatever the thing that is that is other than yourself starts to speak as soon as you stop, like sort of chattering of yourself. If that makes sense. So it's like when monks go into meditation and they reach like enlightenment or like uh, when you have stoics of like eudaimonia and it's like it is that state of being one with something which is like actually by doing less than by doing more mm. so, so i think that's that's sort of what alan watts talks about and it sounds like what that geezer was talking about when he said um like yeah so as soon as you stop doing that your subconscious comes to the fore because you're sort of so focused on prayer or so focused on the religious experience this kind of leads into another question since this is so kind of universal and in one sense, it's it's a much more raw and simpler idea of religion. But do you think that mysticism can be something that's non-religious in the way that we would think about non-religion, uh, the sense that it's not supernatural, you don't have to attach a supernatural thing? Can, can it be secular? Your boy, Sam Harris, isn't it? <laughs> it's like religion-based and so I think, yeah, it can and it probably should. Yeah? 
Yeah, I think I think it's like I'd say I was reasonably. I'm going to piss you off, mate. Spiritual, but without being religious at all, or without or without not believing in science, if that makes sense. We have all have like the imprint of Judeo-Christian sort of in the back of our head. We all have like that that as our main idea of religion. It's like as soon as we talk about religion, we think of giant fluffy space shepherd in the sky, and it's so hard to get away from that. So, how would you define spiritual but not religious? I don't know. I don't know it's a fucking long question it, it's I think exactly. it's it's this idea of like not just believing like I think in believing in like you are more than just a science experiment I mean, you're more than just matter and atoms and that there isn't like a a sort of I don't know you can, I'm gonna use the word spiritual again but there isn't like a sort of <laughs> binding force if that makes sense so you can, yeah, be, okay. you can be spiritual so like doing things like like Buddhism and like Zen Buddhism is like non-religious or it's non-secular Maybe I should have used the word secular. It's non-secular, but it is like spiritual, if that makes sense. The problem is that obviously there's also the political connotation of secular, and I'm very much a secularist. So I, I wouldn't want to use that term for fear of kind of wrecking the cause of the separation of religion, which as we've discussed is a private affair and the state. Everyone has beliefs, don't they? It's like, it's like the whole saying about like, no artist is an atheist because they all have like a set of beliefs that they sort yeah. of treat as their own personal god like we all have a, as Depeche Mode said we all have a personal Jesus but it doesn't have to be like the the actual Jesus so yeah I, I would say but I would say existential kind of solves a lot of that and that's kind of does most of the work of that word I think I think unfortunately that that word's just so tied to other things isn't it well spiritual's not yeah, yeah there's, there's no fucking good word <laughs> like spirit spiritual as did you say spiritual you think of someone trying to sell you moonstones and crystals as soon as you say existential, you, yeah you think of like fucking nietzsche having a mental breakdown yeah i i think it's possible to have um so i, I don't know what i would call it i would call it a is it just simply open-mindedness well i think it's about experience rather than an outlook i think you can definitely experience something similar something that's as raw without believing in a supernatural god i think that same kind of power can be found outside of religion i mean it's, i have a different definition of religion which is probably you know if a lot of this is semantics i would say religion has more to do with ideology is, is that more to do with like organized religion does that make sense well yes and no but i think religion is essentially a power dynamic and i think it's that loss of self and yeah. not so much a loss of self but a, a critique of self and i think that's at the core of it and i think if you base a way of living around an idea of the critique of self then you're going to organize society that way as well and therefore you're going to have a lots and lots of moralistic things which which is what we more commonly associate with religion the idea of religion banning or prescribing certain behaviors uh, because it comes from a place which is the critique of self. That's the thing. I think my definition of religion is so tied to the critique of self, which is common across all religions apart from paganism. So I don't think it's possible to separate mysticism as we know it in all the religions from that idea. But I think you can have a similar like euphoric experience if you're secular, affirming the self through music and art. Yeah, at which, at which point those two become a religion? So I, th I think definitely if you're a musician, if you're an artist, there's like you've, what you've done is like the, the, the ultimate goal of uh, an artist is to create their own religion. So it's to create a like a movement to create an, an expression 
that is like a pure form like a religion so it's like uh i don't know if you're a pop artist that is your that is your religion that you've created for yourself you decide to channel all of your sort of beliefs and expression into that one movement mm. i i think that might be a little bit too woolly with the word religion yeah, yeah. I, I just i think that was a, a quote from a geezer i can't remember who it was but it's like uh, we just need more words basically we just need other yeah. words because the words spir- spiritual and religious just don't work i think that people certainly are religious about pop artists but i don't think pop artists themselves are necessarily religious but i think a lot of the people that follow them are treating it as a quasi-religion yeah i definitely say that much there's, there's certainly a parallel I don't know. It's I don't know. It's hard because it's like if you think about being a musician, you're so dedicated to that craft, aren't you? I think this is where it comes. This is why I've been I've been kind of interested with Taoism. Like Taoism's kind of cool, and I still know literally fuck all about it. But it's like this idea of just literally following like a, a craft, trade, a profession. We got your boy Musashi saying like the ways in training, the ways in like perfecting an art. By doing that, you're you're not being I'm going to have to use the word religious. You're not being religious by like having a a shared constructed religion. You're just focusing on that one thing to the point that it becomes a religion, whether that's like music or martial arts or like uh, meditation or like cooking or whatever. Yeah. I think we all stumble on what I'd say is probably like the, the quasi mystical or quasi religious. I think there's like a, a more cosmic element to religion classically so I, I don't really know what to call it if you feel so lost in something but it's tied to our world like musical it's art. spiritual bro <laughs> it's the fucking word again yeah i i you've got to say it say it say spiritual i'm never saying the word <laughs> spiritual by by my fucking crystals unless i'm talking about the actual original use of the word and see I, i'm just going to stop using i don't i just don't think it's a helpful word at all come up with a better word mate cosmically existential <laughs> no because that sounds like that sounds like you're just pulling at your face and screaming about how big space is well yeah and what people who say they're spiritual aren't <laughs> yes they're not if you're just going like oh, i like crystals that's a bit different to like watching fucking um watching the sky at night and like having existential panic attack mm. I, don't, I don't know so i'm trying to think this is great podcasting isn't it i'm trying to think of a word i'm broadcasting <laughs> i think to, to, to be honest it's probably it's probably above our reach to create a new word for the for the idea of non-religious spiritualism how drunk do we need to get, do you think, before we can do that? I'll oh, give it give it a couple of minutes, yeah. I need to have a lot more beers. That's why Sam Harris was just saying, like, you know, he was he was on a again, I'm gonna I'm gonna lampoon him by using the word crusade. He was on a crusade to like bring back the word spiritual in a like a non-religious sense, wasn't he? With like waking up and all that shit. Not that book. Yeah, and I know Richard Dawkins hated him. For- <laughs> Like, yeah, mate, I, I'm, I'm Richard Dawkins in this conversation. You, you are fucking so Richard Dawkins. There's so many times where you've been like, "Oh, but science!" Even, even, <laughs> even though you could argue science is a religion, it's also a load of theories, mate. Literally, none of it is proved. Oh, Thomas Kuhn drugs are cool. <laughs> yeah, mate, legit. We're not doing Thomas Kuhn. We're not doing there any is, of that. There, there is, there is nothing apart. The only thing we know is that we have contents of consciousness, mate. As so. host, I've got to stop this conversation. Like my crystals, bro. Joe, you had some stuff about English mysticism, did you not? I do, I do indeed. Um, so 
what we've discovered from discussing mostly around Sufism is that it's, it takes the core of the religion to some degree and then makes it a bit... Am I going to use the word weird? Oh, you, you, could use the word, you could use the word spiritual. <laughs> I'm not going to use the word spiritual. I tried really hard to not say it and I came up with weird. There you go. There's no good alternative. <laughs> You're going to have to go with it. I mean, it is pretty weird. It is weird. So uh, traditionally in English religions, again, it's like um, by the book, like Abrahamic religions, I should say, by the book, this is how things are done. Read the Bible and you'll connect to God. Are you guys familiar with theosophy at all? No, what is it? Oh, is this like the occult weird shit? Like You got it, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so theosophy, um, I guess it has its roots in Christianity, but it's, um, it's described as Western esotericism. And like before I continue, I think the word esoteric needs defining as well, which typically... It means it's intended to be understood by a small group of people, which sounds kind of elitist, but the esoteric is the weird spiritual stuff. I said the word. The weird Yay! spiritual stuff <laughs> that is only like accessed or understood by a small group of people, which is kind of relevant to the occult as well. Like It's a similar sort of idea. And theosophy was a religion, kind of religion. I guess it's described as a religion, but again, it's... It's an esoteric tradition, if you like. And it started in the United States by uh, Madame Blavatsky. Are you guys familiar? I've, I think I've actually heard the name before. Yeah. I, yeah, I've, I haven't ever studied it, but I've, I've heard through some people about this sort of thing, and I've normally run out of the room. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> Basically, it, uh, it's a culmination of lots of different traditions, like Asian religions, like Hinduism and Buddhism, things like that sort of twisted and malformed into some kind of philosophical understanding that we can use in the West. And similar to theosophy, um, is a religion called Thelema, started by Alistair Crowley. Oh, yes. That's, a, that's another name drop. So that's kind of an anti-religion religion, if you like, because Crowley was very anti-Christian. He was brought up in a pretty harsh Christian environment. Like His dad was incredibly strict with him, things like that. And so it put him off religion entirely. So he started his own anti-religion religion, which is a ridiculous phrase in itself, I understand, but it is what it is. Sounds like humanism, mate. <laughs> Literally. It's all a bit satan in certain parts and a bit of cult. Um, but it's cool. I can't use any other <laughs> words. I'm, I'm, cool. I'm fucking in, dude. Like, this, this, is what, <laughs> this is what's so, like, I could see why people are like, why people get drawn into these like what did you call it like it was like an esoteric tradition or yeah uh, yeah I, you, you can get involved in that because it just seems fucking sick like it, just seems, it seems like a lot of fun it's like if you were to just be like oh i'm just gonna worship the roman gods today like i just start today on the day of bacchus i'm gonna get absolutely hammered it just looks like a lot of fun it does. It, and that is the thing with the lemur, is it, it's really just cool. And a lot of it is inspired by <laughs> yes. Egyptian religion. Um, so, like, time is quantified in aeons. Um, so there's the Aeon of Horus, and let me find a list. The Aeon of Osiris. <laughs> nice. This is, this is just narcissism, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's a little bit. Let, let's just make up some things that sound cool and do it because we're bored. Like, Yes, like, I'm in. <laughs> I, I sound like I'm being really cosmic and, and... Oh, oh but you have to either be an atheist or you have to worship God mm. 
Those are the two. Have you seen uh, Alan Moore, like the the guy who wrote um, he wrote like V for Vendetta and uh, the Watchmen shit. He just at one point he just goes fuck it, I'm worshiping this like serpent snake god of the Romans. He just literally at the age of seventy went fuck <laughs> it, I'm just going for this. And it's like when we were talking about that in the um, sport one, you were like, how do people pick a football team? And it's like you just just pick one, dude. So if you just if you just woke up tomorrow and went, do you know what? I'm just going to be a fucking Zen Buddhist. No, 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 and no, just, right. just just try it out. You know, like, oh, this is kind of sick. I like there's good aspects of this. Right, yeah, but that it's syncretic and edgy. It, like you say, oh, you have to be this or that. Well, that's because most that describes how most people feel. Most people either feel a connection to God, and then they have that kind of cultural. There are different paths that they can take to understand that, or they don't. Just you just going on something you said about um, you can just just pick it, just like you, pick you, a religion. You mm. can, yeah. Why not? Mm. Is that not the whole new religious movements thing from like the postmodern era? You can just choose a bit of a religion yeah, and then a bit of something else and just do whatever. Like they're just literally just like guy. Like I remember Kieran talks about this all the time. He says like the 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 Old Testament is literally just a, like a load of guidelines to stop you dying in the Middle East. And it's just like, well, don't eat shellfish, don't eat pork, cool. Why? Uh, Fucking, you know, because of this. Apart from the fact that, you know, in reality, the reason why you don't do that is because you get red tide and you get like some crazy parasites and pork. I know, but that aside... Yeah, just start worshipping the um, fucking Egyptian pantheon, mate. It would just be jokes. Yeah, but Judaism is also formed from several pre-existing religions as well. And it, it formed organically, and like you said, to fit that purpose. Yeah, whilst just using a bit of Zen is not really doing that. Like, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here. I'm like, excited. So, go on, mate. Buckle up. Right. No, it annoys me when people. It doesn't really annoy me. It doesn't bother me. But like, I'm gonna pretend <laughs> it's, it's, really it's a fucking, <laughs> fucking good start in this rant. This is a roller coaster already, man. Do, do you know how many grinds my gears? Well, not this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm gonna pretend. It, I'm gonna pretend it really annoys me, cause, and it's like this really big problem that um, really interrupts my life. But it doesn't. It's when people who aren't Buddhists sort of go, "I like Buddhism. It's just being nice. It's not harming people." Well, like you're not wrong, but in a way, in a, in a way you're not wrong. Uh, there are certainly are Buddhists that harm people, but like it's insane ignorance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, like, <laughs> name drop like, like, sushi. A couple of thousand years of like fucking Shinto Buddhists in Japan, just like yeah. raging constant wars. Essentially, you're not wrong. The principles of Buddhism are peaceful, but that's not everything that Buddhism entails. Like, it's not just about being peaceful. Their ideas of non-violence exist in a totally different context to you in your suburban house in Britain or America or wherever. Like, religions, particularly with adherents that are as intense uh, as Sufis or Zen Buddhists, they don't care about your admiration or they don't seek your approval. You you know, kind of go, oh, they've got nice orange dresses and they're, they're <laughs> vegan. I'm a vegan too. They must be just kind of like me. I, I can pick that. So, Here we no, go. They don't want your respect. They want your soul. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you saying are you saying Buddhist vampires? <laughs> they want a a type of commitment that you're not willing to give. If you're just yeah, yeah it's hundred percent in your armpit. Yeah, yeah. You're just People, going like I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Zen for ten minutes while I listen to my Headspace app. 
Exactly. So I was literally going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, people who know nothing solid about religion, they say, oh, I, like, I like to be Buddhist, but they've missed the point if they want to just sort of pick it. Because it's, it's not something you pick, it's something that happens to you, I would say. It's an affect. I, I quite like this idea of just picking a religion, though. As an intellectual practice, you just go like, do you know what? Judaism's got some really... Because they're just like... They're just like fucking traditions, aren't they? Like a, like you could just go, I'm just going to pick a contemplative tradition. Like I'm going to do some meditation or I'm going to, you know, employ a bar mitzvah or I'm going to worship uh, Koetzel Kowatl. And I think you can just pick it and just be like, oh, I'm going to do this and see what it's like. Oh, yeah, it's not really for me. As long as you do it properly. Is this sort yeah, of like I, the heart of your yeah. argument? You should just be like, cool, I'm going to fucking balls to the wall, go in and be a Sufi. Right, so... I think that religion's not necessarily about any of that. I think religion's more about a feeling. But I think, sure, if it works for you, you can think of it as something rational too. I mean, if it works for you, do whatever you like. But if it is something rational, then I think you have to treat it more like science. And I think you have to rationalize a system that is functional. And I think it's only functional when it's coherent. So it doesn't have to be true in the in the sense that you can prove it under a microscope necessarily. Capital, but capital T. Yeah, capital T is what I mean. But what it needs to do is mesh together in like a web. And so you, you're not contradicting yourself. So it's it's all the strands connected together in a mesh make it true with a small t. So if you're going to pick a bit of Zen, fine. But you have to... It's not going to work if you're just picking a, a bit of this and a bit of that. Like... These things are meant to orient your life. It's not, it's not a buffet, yeah. Yeah. Things like in Zen, they're like ideals, aren't they? The, the ideal state in Zen is like, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to be happy in the present. I'd like to be experienced in the present. I'd like to be completely one with the situation around me. I'd like to have like no desires or regrets. That's like an ideal, isn't it? Are you are people who do Zen almost every day in that state? Probably not. It's probably, you know, like all these people who are Taoists, like how many of them are like absolute, uh, how many of them are like experiencing the true like Taoist life, if that makes sense, mm. like the true experience of it. Yeah, everyone, everyone's struggling to experience their religion. It, it's a massive problem. It's something that, that people really, really struggle with anyway. It's like just because you are X doesn't mean you don't struggle to, to experience it or, or feel it or get your head around it it's a way isn't it it's a path that you sort of walk along i guess yeah if it does work for you if you can make it work it informs your entire outlook and your conscience from the inside out yeah zen will help me go down the pub and be able to talk to my friends more no if you were zen you wouldn't go down the pub you would commit your life to a religion well i, th I think i think you would like you can be zen or you can be buddhist and not just like be sat on a mountaintop eating single grains of rice so if if you look at like if if you if you look at like you know Buddhist and like you can even take like the Shaolin is like a very famous example of Buddhist who their entire life is going to the gym is that it, it, they're literally just like I'm dedicating my entire life to this process mm. and I think as I think as long as you you can live a religious life without like tying yourself to a religion, um, people certainly do and I think their approach is valid and if it works for them that's fine but I my sense of religion. I think comes more from like Kierkegaard and Kierkegaard is just he was struggling with the idea of being a Christian or whatever and he talked about Abraham about how Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son he just thinks that idiot he was like that's religion that's the level yeah 
that's the level you've got you've got to be on. It was, it was that's what I mean. It's so intense. That's the ideal of being of being an yeah. ideal Christian. No one's there. It's like Jesus. That's the ideal to which you are measured. Are you ever going to be Jesus? No. It wouldn't be a good ideal if at some point you're like fucking out. I was like Jesus today. That wouldn't be like a good benchmark for yourself to be measured up to. Do you know what? Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. But yeah, the only point I really wanted to make there was that being mystical, it's not a tool. It's a core value. I think you discover it. I think you should discover it. But it's like you don't got to gap year and buy some incense and then become fucking Buddhist overnight. And that's why I was sort of, I was I was taking piss a bit by saying you should you could choose a religion, but I think it'd be fun too. Absolutely. And I think if you if you don't like it, if you don't if you don't discover it, you'll be like, oh well, I didn't get anything out of worshiping Egyptian deities. Maybe I should. They didn't awaken anything. Let's try and find something else. Mm. But it's, yeah, it's, like you said, it's like being in love. It, it just happens to you. But I, I would say, I mean, I'd love to be able to pick something because we talked about this in the sport when I, when I was saying like I, I can't really pick a sports team I can enjoy sport just just pick one just pick one doesn't matter yeah but I, that doesn't nothing changes I just go I have picked one nothing actually yeah but, but, but this is exactly you have what you to dive th- yourself into it is the thing like yeah, if, that, if you choose your yeah. religion you have to dedicate yourself to it and properly try it and exactly throw yourself at it fully you you because you were just saying you were saying oh, I support West Ham and then you were doing that in the same way that you were critiquing the people who go, I'm a Buddhist now, but if you actually go, do you know what, I support West Ham, and I'm going to go buy some West Ham shirts, I'm going to get myself a season ticket to West Ham, I'm going to you know, hang out with other people who support West Ham and integrate myself in the culture of supporting West Ham, and then you start to get connected, and then you will lose yourself in the experience of being a West Ham fan, you're no longer playing that character, you're actually engaged in it. So so by picking one, you you have actually managed to integrate yourself into that, uh, sort of like constructive system fair enough yeah I, I'm on board with that okay so yeah just choose a fucking religion mate and just go in just like pick Greek <laughs> I'm gods not, and I'm, I'm not choosing just, religion just fucking, <laughs> fucking do it mate like I often think like I wish I was more religious because it just looks so sick you just go like oh I'm just gonna fuck it I wish everyone you know worshipped the Greek pantheon and then you could just there was a day where everyone just gets wanked and runs around and you know there's days where people scream things on the streets it just looks like a lot of fun alright I agree with you uh, but I don't agree that you can do that out of context. It's like saying, I want to worship the Zulu gods. It's like, well, why? How? You, there needs to be some sort of cultural connection, some bridge. Now, whether yeah, you yeah. travel there or meet somebody or or you learn about it through somebody. But yeah, I, I don't think you can just pick, I want to be an Aztec. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't go, I'm going to worship Quetzalcoatl because I Googled it on Wikipedia and now I know a bit about the feathered serpent. I think, yeah, if you go to like, the Amazon and you'd like shack I, I know nothing about Aztec religion I'm just blaspheming and you get shacked up with some shaman who shows you some mad shit on an ayahuasca trip and then you come back and you're like wow my eyes have been open I've, I've had like we said before we've I had the experience first and now the sort of dogma or the way of um the way of sort of adjusting to that comes afterwards yeah um so, so if you went in and you were like oh cool i'm gonna get involved with sufism i'm gonna go to a sufi colony i'm gonna do the willing dervishes thing for four months chances are you'll get pretty fucking into that but in saying that that we need to have the experience first and then and then seek the the doctrine afterwards isn't that the opposite of what abrahamic religions do particularly in the west yeah probably i and it's probably i, I don't even really believe 
in seeking doctrine i think maybe doctrine could help you out if you're like uh, let's say you wake up and i feel <laughs> i feel super religious today <laughs> as an as an atheist i'd say the opposite yeah yeah so you just go like, oh I, I feel super zen today let's find out what uh i don't know lao Tzu wrote about zen in this does this relate to what i'm feeling at the moment and you're like oh it does or it doesn't or whatever yeah well, i think it's harder to have these kinds of experiences when you i mean as an atheist i sort of actively reject dogma as a philosopher i i actively reject dogma i actually don't believe it's possible to be religious in the intense sense that we've talked about it and be philosophical it's because i think religion in the way we've experienced it because we're obviously coming at this from a judeo-christian backdrop and we've had we've got all the cultural baggage that goes with that of like massive of like one of the most organized religions that is literally just like a fucking lockdown mechanism for medieval europe I think, yeah, a lot of religions that are a bit more interesting don't have a huge amount of dogma with it. They have like some some sort of sayings or some core beliefs. Like if you look at Buddhism or something like that, it's like they've literally got um, some teachings and then the rest is all experiential, but it has to be like a thing to do, like like a practice that goes with it. Yeah, but I think that they have things that they accept as true for no reason other than they feel particularly strongly. And that's not... That's not particularly. Uh, that's not something I really want to. What's, what's an example of that? Is this is this Buddhism or is this Buddhism or Christianity? God is real. God is infallible, or um, the, the teachings of Buddha are real and infallible. I mean, you, so are you saying from that question that you don't think that Buddhists are religious in the same way that Christians are? I, th- I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I don't know enough about Buddhism. I don't know enough about Christianity. But it seems, from from a very outside point of view, that Christianity is a very organized thing, and it's like it's got a lot of clear. It's like sort of Judaism and I guess Islam as well. It has very clear written structure with loads of events, loads of key principles, loads of do's and don'ts that you need to follow. So it's like it seems more like a scaffold uh, around which to build a society. I, I sort of go with you, your boy Peter Jordanson about how like religion evolved out of experience. So you have like the experience first and then they're like, okay, what are some common sort of archetypes? What are some common trends if we do these things like loving the neighbor, like not killing everyone, like not being jealous about uh, your brother having more love uh, for God because he puts in harder sacrifice. That if we have all these things, society goes better. So I think religions are just naturally created out of like a need for some sort of like order, some sort of governance. And I think sort of Christianity is like a very, very sort of tight version of that. Yeah, on a macro level, yeah. Um... But I think, yeah, you got to look at it at a macro level, I'd say. Because it's like, yeah, that's where it came from. Probably, pro- probably, probably. Yeah, we do. I mean, obviously, like mystics wouldn't, because they. It's all about the micro. It's all about that experience. I think, in principle, I agree with you about the difference between Christianity and Buddhism. But I, I'd say that if you actually saw a lot of the way that Buddhists are behaving, it's sociologically indistinguishable. They have all the hallmarks of religion, however you define it. Um, this idea that Buddhism is oh, it's it's kind of not a religion. It's secular. It's not. It, 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 it's a religion. It's the classic thing after, like Sam said, going on a gap year, buying some incense, coming back and saying, Buddhism's not a religion, it's a way of life. You don't know what Buddhism is. Uh, I mean, it's a way of life, but it's 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 a religious way of life. (laughs) Yeah, it's a religious way of life. Uh, Most serious ways of life are religious, I would say. 
my job. Yeah, do it. That's that's the thing. He just literally go, yeah, fucking religion is the most serious way. Like, so what does that mean now that we don't really have a massive religious framework? Because I think we're probably just creating one. We're probably just creating like like a religious framework. We'll look back in like four hundred years and be like, oh fucking hell, that no. you, know, you know you know that science thing that we were all going like, oh yeah, it's it's like that idea of like you know conceptual thought expanding so we we go from like we go from like experiencing the world to creating stories about the world um talking things through analogy and then science is like the top layer on that so it's just like an evolving sort of uh it's like an evolving ladder of consciousness and like conscious thought so after science there'll probably be a more precise way of looking at the world unless unless that unless that evolves into another one I agree with you in essence uh, that I think that some people can be religiously minded, but I don't think that science is a religion. We've had the enlightenment for so long that I don't think that's going to happen. I think some people are, I mean, quasi-religious, culty, maybe, but I don't think people who believe in scientism or like a really strong naturalism that has a truth with a capital T, I don't think that these people are religious because it's not a way of life. It's not. It's not really the same thing unless you're like the world's most dogmatic scientist but 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 you've but yeah you can go out and live a scientific way of life so you mm, go and like, you, so you go and like oh actually if i look at some of my habits i'm gonna i'm gonna change some positive habits by creating a, a small reward structure for things that i deem positive therefore triggering like dopamine reaction and conditioning myself to do these positive habits that's a scientific way of living your life i don't think it has the same cosmic scope and the senses of right and wrong built into it. I know you can probably take, you can kind of make them up with like evolutionary biology and you can kind of fill in all the gaps, but I, I think you'd have to be arbitrarily trying very hard. And I think there's a reason for that because I think, uh, to answer your question, I don't think that the context is uh, any longer possible for religions to have big sway. So I think we, for the first time, are experiencing mass irreligion. I, yeah. don't, think, I don't think people will live intensely. I don't think people live with direction. Is that is that better? I've been I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Well, not like a lot. I've been thinking about yeah, fucking eating my Cheerios in the morning, having a freak out about it. But I've been thinking about that and how like the whole fucking God is dead Nietzsche freaking out. Is yeah, I, I didn't it, want to say God is dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just, it just comes up because it is like one of the biggest fucking. It is literally defining like the last however, however many years or whatever. It's it's the defining event of the modern era. Gets fucking mental, and it's like, are people happier without God? No, they're 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 directionless, and probably not. So we should all just fucking start worshiping Egyptian gods. No, here's the thing: they're directionless, riddled with anxiety, lost but free. And I think <laughs> it's that. It's yeah. I get. Uh, I don't know. Is what would you rather have? Well, we're free to create an alternative. I, I, don't, th- I, don't, I don't think I don't think free will exists. So um, I don't think you're free at all. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I think you can tell yourself that you're f- I, you can tell yourself you're free. We're not doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I leg- yeah, but you can't just be like, oh, well, we're all anxiety, but the one thing we've got is freedom. Uh, apart from we don't, and then you go, well, <laughs> you know, yes, I guess we right, don't. I, I, but- won't, I won't say I won't say free, but the context is possible now to create an alternative to religion yeah but then that, that that just becomes like a different system of control it becomes a different religion doesn't it it, dep- yeah. it depends how hard you think i don't think anyone's done it yet but i think a lot of people have gotten very very close scientology bro 
few people I've met that are humanists, not many, but I, I've met a few that I would say, do you know what? It, I would say this was religion if you weren't so chill with everything. You, you haven't set out to attack anything or to say that life is meaningless or useless. You've set out and you, you just live such a positive way of life. Like we're saying is religion is a way of life. And it's like the difference between your way of life and all other religions is that and I include Zen in this. People say people are really chill with Zen Buddhism. Well, it's because they think that life fucking sucks. They have to be like that. It's because they think life is suffering. It's Dukkha. They think that... <laughs> they're probably right, mate, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I'm not saying they're not right, but... <laughs> yeah, dude, you're just like, oh, yeah, they've they got a lot of points, actually. Fair enough. I was watching... Pla- few- no, go on. go on, sorry. I was going to talk about crabs. No, I think there are a few people that have managed to kind of escape that problem of nihilism. But I, I would say they're on an individual level at the moment. Well, I think it's... Isn't the problem the fact that like most people are just unaware of nihilism? And it's like you talked about that guy saying earlier on where he said people who don't have a religious thought or don't even think about being religious, they're the true like atheists or something like that. They're irreligious by William James's definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Well, that's that's sort of like the main thing. So in, in that case, people aren't any more free. They're just sort of wandering around in a big soup without any sort of clear direction or, or clear like moral rules that come from inside. Or in in that case, they've created their own religion religion based on their own personal views and how they should act. Yeah, I think these are like, it's like religion light, though. The the types of religion, I think it's been religious, religion light for a long time in in the West. When people say they go to go to church on a Sunday or whatever, don't really think about it. Yeah, that's religion light. I mean, Kierkegaard identified it 200 years ago. He was saying, hang on, why the fuck isn't anyone actually religious anymore? Why doesn't anyone take this seriously? That's why he talks about Abraham in the first place. Isn't it because our methods of thought of, a, of you know, progressed above religion, like that's just like a, a step up yeah. to scientific reason or thought, rational thought. Yeah, which is why I think science, you were saying science is religion. I, I think it is something, I think science does elevate it slightly. I think it, it does allow us to think in different ways. It, it, and it, it can never be a quiet religion. I think, I think when people sort of do that thing you're talking about, when they think that of science as a religion, or maybe they don't realize they're doing that, but that's what they're doing. I think that's just like way more hollow and more horrible than, you know, clinging to religion when it's no longer relevant. I'd rather cling to religion than do that. Like, that's horrible. Just like believing in basically nothing. But aren't there people who sing hymns about Isaac Newton, though? Yeah. And I mean, I'm speaking as, as somebody who's sort of part of that, you know, as an atheist, as a humanist. As, as Richard Dawkins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, his, I'm his fucking reincarnation. Favorite thing you ever heard of Rich Dawkins on that Sam Harris podcast when Sam Harris was like, So, Richard, we're going to do a little bit of meditation. And, you know, he literally just does it for like 10 minutes. He goes, Well, Sam, I don't understand what that was for. I didn't achieve anything. I don't get it. I, I get it. I'm closing my eyes, but I just don't get what it achieves. And he, he doesn't just, uh, want to get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly the problem. Yeah, there's just there's there's certain people who meditation doesn't doesn't like it doesn't work for. It's just like Richard Dawkins would have been thinking about like fucking alphabetizing his like book collection when he gets home. He wouldn't be able to actually step away from the self. Hello, hello. I I just I don't know where to take this now because we've gone on a, a we've gone on a totally uh, different rabbit hole and it's it's actually been better than talking about Sufism. That was a cool rabbit hole though. 
But I think it, it's, it naturally follows on from like when you start talking about because Sufism just literally means mysticism, doesn't it? It's just like a yes. it's like a sort of umbrella term for finding God in the moment. Mm. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Ow. Correct. Wrong. <laughs> That's the sound of one hand clapping. Yeah, I, I I got it. It's a question you often asked in Zen anyway. It's one of the like core parts of Zen Buddhism. These like paradoxical questions that can't be answered logically. Well, it's, it's like, you know, where does a thought go when you recognize it? Which is actually a fucking red pill. They're basically like nonsensical questions that Zen masters ask their students that have no real answers to try and move them away from thinking rationally or reasonably. But also, are they actually also translated as well, though? Because that's always the fucking problem. Well, they're always, like, things that don't have answers. Like, they, they deliberately don't have answers. They're completely, like like I said, paradoxical to make them focus on things that are more like, yeah, just, just to think about things like self-restraint or meditation or in, insight into the nature of mind or thinking about the, the nature of the cosmos or something i think zen like the goal of zen is fucking awesome it's just like so in order to achieve it you do actually have to sit up a, a mountain and eat like a grain of rice because you have to be so focused on it mm. it's like it's like cultivating clarity isn't it it's like being completely aware without doing anything yeah essentially about kind of losing yourself like i said i'd, I'd say it's like self-critique but what do you mean by what do you Self-critique, because you used that before and I'm confuzzled. Thinking that the self isn't enough, thinking that the self is inferior to... Well, it's more like, I think, I think as far as I understand it, it's more like thinking that the self doesn't exist. Yeah, but I think that in and of itself is is quite a negative thing. I, th I think Just, like, Christianity is, is very much like self-critique, where you're like, fuck it, every day you're waking up and going, fucking hell, I'm not Jesus, or like, fucking hell, I'm making up for the sins of Adam. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think Buddhism has the, the same thing where they say that, you know, life is suffering and none of this is real. It's like, well, okay, well, don't bother then. Like, what, what, cheers, cheers for that. This life isn't enough that you have to believe that it's all out there somewhere and there's more. It's like, well, can you not just like get up, have some cereal, have some food, have a beer, talk to friends? Like, is that not good enough? Why, what's the problem? Like... I think this is why aestheticism and flagellation or physical harm is like much more of a common theme in these more mystical circles where they take it more intensely because I think that exposes the core of religion, really, because it's the most raw and, I guess, true and more powerful sense of religiosity. As an atheist, it's like the, it's the most difficult part for me to get my head around or reconcile. But it's almost like, this may be a bias, but... I, I'm perfectly willing to accept it. It is, but this this comes from conversations I've had with like religious friends. I've used to live with a lot of guys who were religious, and you know, I, I've this is the sense I get from talking to them and and studying it obviously at university. And most I've never really met any religious people that have actually rejected that it's self hatred when you, they sort of say things like, "Well, we need religion. We need it. Um, when we can't be trusted to our own devices." And I think, well, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a retort for that other than that I don't agree and I don't feel that way. 
And that's it's not that you're you, what you're saying is untrue. It's not like oh God doesn't exist because like like I said, and on the podcast, it's not about whether God exists. That's a stupid question. The question is how you feel, and the way and as a non-religious person, I feel strongly against this. And that's the only difference. But yeah, I, I feel like mystics. Yeah, we were talking about Zen and Sufists, Sufis. Sorry, they all want to challenge the world. That they want to say something negative about it. That's at the crux of what they're saying. I don't know, Joe. Jo, you've is there anything in the practices of Sufis that you would say leads you to think that? I, I was going to bring a point earlier, kind of similar. That is, uh, is esoteric practices and mystical practices. Is it the sense that they're more inviting to a religion? Like they seem, like I said earlier when I was talking about Thelema, that it just sounds cool. Like is there a part of that that makes it more appealing? And I think they're less about telling people off. <laughs> True, yeah. That is a good point. It's less about devout, I suppose, denying yourself of certain pleasures to a certain extent. I think all the differences between the more raw stuff and then religion as more, it's more generally thought of is that they apply that self-hatred to the macro level. And they, they, that's why they make these rules and say, you can't do this, you can't do that, because they're trying to project outward the experience they, they have of a feeling nothingness and feeling small. I'm not sure it's projection outwards. I think probably if you look at it, like as much as I do lampoon Kieran Vesenas, I do really like his, his sort of point of like, it's just literally a set of rules that will stop you dying in a desert. That's basically what religion is. And then the best, what's the best way to tell? I was reading about like a sort of book about how to teach and it was like the best way to pass on information is stories. People fucking love stories. If you tell a moral fable, that will be remembered forever. So you just make a load of stories that offer great guidance to stop you dying in a desert. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's internal self-hatred projected outwards to create control mechanisms. I think it's just like some guidelines for people to be following. Yeah, but why do these guidelines, why are they always wrapped up in stories about hatred of the universe? Why, why are they always... What's, what's an example of the hatred of the universe story? Uh, the fall. The Buddha seeing the uh, however many harsh realities of life there were. Any mythological story pretty much is centered around confronting a problem. Yeah, isn't it? Because they're just like warnings of chaos. Like if you let this amount of chaos into your life, this is a, it's like hell. Like if you are a shit person, there's a fucking bad thing waiting for you. If you are good, there is a good thing waiting for you. It's a nice, like easy thing to remember. You know, it's much easier to get compliance with like a threat and a uh, reward as well. Is that what mysticism sort of bypasses as well? We were talking about the Sufi way which is not so much a means to an end yeah. in an eschatological sense, but more a connection in, in the life, like being devout to God for the sake of being devout to God, rather than in the hope that you're going to get a good afterlife. I've always found mm. that a bit odd in Christian circles as well. That So, you know, the phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth. So yes. you're going to be good in your life and not own much so that you can have everything in the afterlife. Like to me, that seems a little bit disingenuous, if you know what I mean. Have you seen the um the Jordan Peterson thing where he talks about the translation, the mistranslation of that? No. It's actually it's actually mistranslated. One of the translations is he who has swords but does not use them, which is completely, completely different. And he, he, I remember him saying that and I was like, that's fucking awesome. So it's like those who have the capacity for like great harm and violence, but then choose to move away from that. Rather than just like the meek inheriting the earth. Yeah. 
So I, I think I heard that translation. I was like, that's that makes a lot of sense. It's like like the Shaolin, where they're like, the only way to completely subvert violence is to spend our entire lives practicing violence. Well, like I said, with uh, coherentism of, of actually of all these views having to be coherent, you have to have theology. You have to have these. You know, it, that fits in with turn the other cheek. You know, it's like all these ideas have to fit in together with each other. The sort of heterodox, uh, the rules, the, the Sharia. And I think that's that's something that I think a lot of Muslims feel that Sufism doesn't quite do. But obviously Sufis would argue that it does. Because it seems to be, like you were saying, Joe, less about well, less about the rules, less about okay. laws and morality and yeah, less following a text and more engaging. Yeah. And I like historically that was a big problem for Sufism. You guys ever heard of Rumi? Yes. Yeah, he's um, a Sufi bloke. Oh, yeah. yeah, his poet is really important and uh, critical in thinking about the development of Sufism as a movement. I think he's pretty much responsible in part for putting Sufism in line with the rest of Islam in a lot of people's eyes. Because before that, it was considered very much an outsider thing. Like you were saying, Sam, it's like the, the kind of a seems like a cross between something like Taoism uh, and it was I was I was watching a couple of things to try and get a bit more understanding Sufism and one of them was like Sufism in three minutes and it was like Sufism is basically just Taoism plus Zen I was like cool I like both of those mm. it's it doesn't appear to be anything like what the guy said um in some ways it is in some ways it isn't basically a lot of people recognize that that it was just like oh this is something totally different and it's almost blasphemous in the way that it kind of blurs the line between subject and creator. People claiming to have knowledge of all time and space and people claiming to have power. And that was kind of a uh, problem and kind of rejecting the Sharia. So Rumi kind of made it more of a normative thing in Islam, more of a, it brought it more in line with the rest of it and became this like big figure that's, kind of loved through throughout loads of countries, even to the modern day. I'll take an example of um that self hatred thing. Aestheticism obviously we talked about it. Like, Sufis often like fucking stick swords into themselves. I don't know if you've ever seen that episode of Idiot Abroad, series three. Uh no, I've not No, I'm no. not familiar. Oh shit. Well they go to like a Sufi thing, there's all these whirling dervishes dancing around and yeah, they they just start like fucking Yeeting swords through their gobs and like sword swallowing and like poking each other and d- dancing around. Yeah, that's a rainbow. Regionally, there are differences in the ideas. Where if you're talking about like Bangladesh, we're talking about the Middle East. You know, so, but this is this is a thing that fucking happens. Well, I guess it's like like you said, like self-flagellation. I think the whole point of that is to to reach that transcendental state, isn't it? Because it's like if you've been beating the shit out of yourself with chains, you're going to be in a pretty you're going to be in a pretty altered state yeah it's and it's losing attachment you're losing attachment to your body you're sort of proving your sort of strength to god and then also you're reaching this other like shock state and then if you're religious minded you're going to interpret that as uh, a closer connection with god even though if you're scientific minded you'd be like oh it's your body pumping certain amount of chemicals and hormones into your blood to stop you from dying or both like there's there's the experiential dimension where it's this is what william james yeah. was sort of saying uh when i said about the, the subconscious it's like it doesn't necessarily have to be either or because there's a difference between explaining something 
and experiencing something. And I think they're kind of categorically different. And I think faith is about the experience rather than the explanation. Mate, that's a fucking red pill. That's pretty sick. <laughs> Does anyone else have anything to say? I like that. I like their shirts. Pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that why pe- people go towards Zen? Because they're like, Zen is cool. Because this idea of a wise master sitting up a hill knowing the entire universe is cooler than someone singing Jam in Jerusalem and selling cakes at Bake Sale. <laughs> I mean, Chris Dingle's probably the most off putting thing. Have you ever been to a fucking Chris Dingle thing? You got those yeah, little ideas. Awful. awful. But I think there's, there's, some, there's some aspects of like Catholic religion which are just fucking absolutely spectacular. Even though I don't agree mm. with it, some things that are just amazing. Oh, that's a great, great place to leave it on. Connor. Connor's having his god is dead moment yeah he literally just go he just figured out the answer to what's one hand clapping and he's like fucking hell oh my god he's gonna come hello? over like hello mate how you doing yeah with, with, with a religious experience and you're like fucking hell sammy right like the greek pantheon is actually the only one true religious system yeah i just fucking experienced god no but fucking something just happened oh um, shit any any advance on that or uh no it's my fucking mic there you go that's that's the connection with god mate right um what was i gonna say eat grain of rice buy buy my fucking crystals